0: Good morning to all of you in Memphis, Tennessee. This morning, I'm preaching from the pulpit of the Brevard-Davidson River Presbyterian Church here in Brevard, North Carolina, where Catherine and I now live. And I'm grateful to be able to be with you via technology this morning. When David called and asked me to um, be one of your preachers this month, I started thinking about your name. I've I've known about the Idlewild Presbyterian Church for uh, years, and uh, since 1891, it just dawned on me that you've been anything but idle. And as Presbyterians, I doubt you've been very wild. So I don't really get your name, Idle Wild. But you have been a leader, church in our denomination for a long time, and you have now called a leader in David Powers. And I'm happy for you and for him. I've been friends and colleagues with David for several years, and uh, I pray for your new journey uh, together, especially in these times in which we find ourselves. Another connection we have is in uh, Jim Lowry. Uh, In 1992, Jim came to your church to be your pastor, but he came from the Mount Pleasant Presbyterian Church in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, and I had the privilege of serving that church several years after uh, Jim left. There was a pastor between us, and he was much beloved there, as I know he was and is much beloved um, there in Memphis. So I thank you for the uh, opportunity, and I'm grateful for our church here in Brevard for allowing me to um, be in our pulpit here today. This story I'm about to read to you um, happens a long time after Moses took the children of Israel um, out of Egypt a long time, a long time after the wilderness, a long time after the battles and the entry into the promised land, after the period of the judges and the kings, Saul and David and Solomon, all that's uh, history, ancient history. And then Israel split into two nations, it was Israel to the north, which is more of a rural part of um, the, the Holy Land. And then Judah to the south, which had um, Jerusalem. And Elijah is a prophet, a major prophet, to this new split nation of Israel, the northern kingdom. Now the king of that uh, nation is Ahab and his queen is Jezebel. And they have abandoned the God of Abraham, all that history that I just went through. They've abandoned that for pagan gods in the culture, primarily for economic reasons and advantages for themselves. So Elijah is speaking God's truth to power and challenges their prophets to these pagan gods in a contest and he wins. He wins. But there's a problem and that's where we pick up the story. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done in winning this contest, how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. And then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me. And more also, if I do not make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. And then it says, he was afraid. So he got up, fled for his life, came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah in the south. And he left his servant there on the edge of civilization, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And he came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. And he asked that he might die. It is enough now, O Lord, take my life, away my life, for I am no better, Than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. And suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Get up and eat. And he looked, and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. Now the angel of the Lord came up a second time, touched him, and said to him, Get up and eat. Otherwise, the journey will be too much for you. He got up, he ate, he drank, and then he went in the strength of that food, 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. Now, at that place, he came to a cave, spent the night there. The word of the Lord came to him saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he answered, Well, I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, Go out, stand on the mountain before the Lord, and the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in that wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in that earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, (laughs) but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. The King James Version calls that a still, small voice. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah. And he answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they are seeking my life to take it away. Then the Lord said to him, go, return, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael as king over a ram. The word of the Lord. Now, that broom tree... Is a very, very familiar place. It's a place of despair. It's a place of isolation, a place of fatigue. It could be a place with no hope. It's a place where things happen that are outside of our control. You don't even know how you got there sometimes. But you know there are very few resources out there in the wilderness to get you out of there, at least as far as you can see. Broom trees, it strikes me, uh, they, they come in all shapes and sizes. There are worldwide broom trees. Those are trees that every nation sits under together, all of us, the whole world, under a broom tree. The Jezebel, the thing that's got us all sitting under that tree, the problem, the threat... Could be war or famine or terrorism, poverty or a pandemic. The whole world's under a broom tree. There are also national broom trees, only unique to one nation The Jezebels could be political polarization and extremism, that could be the Jezebel, or escalating national debt, runaway debt, or maybe Jezebel is a struggling financial market or record unemployment or homelessness, or racism, or classism, sexism, crime and violence. I don't know. All of that, any of that, can send a nation out there under a broom tree. You know, it strikes me in this current environment in our country that even a church can find itself under a broom tree. Declining membership, dwindling finances, a disconnect with the younger. Generations. The death of our faithful older members. Divisions over social and political issues that divide us. Or even the death of a beloved pastor can send you out under a broom tree and out there is where despair sets in. Out there is where the church might be sitting wondering how are we gonna get out of this mess? And to add to all that in case you don't feel bad enough already We still have our own personal broom trees. Maybe it's an illness that drove you out there. Or the loss of a loved one and the grief that you can hardly bear. Maybe it's the mistakes you've made. Or maybe it's the sin you've committed against other people or the sins other people have committed against you. It could be your addiction to something or the secrets you've got or the regrets you have. All that, any of that could drive you out into a wilderness under a broom tree. And there you sit. Elijah goes, it says, a day's journey into the wilderness and comes to a solitary broom tree, and this is what he prays. It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors'. And then he lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. That is a sad, sad story. And it'd be a tragedy if it ended there. But it doesn't. Suddenly an angel touched him. Suddenly an angel touched him. and said to him, get up and eat. He looked up, and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water, and he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel came a second time, touched him, and said, get up and eat. Otherwise, the journey will be too much for you. What journey? There's no journey. Elijah's not planning a journey. He's under a broom tree. And there's not supposed to be any water in a wilderness, nor hot cakes, much less a talking angel. None of this is supposed to happen. So did he make all this up? Do you think he did? Was he delusional? Like maybe he got out there and the sun got a hold of him and he thought all this happened, so he came back and told this bizarre story that never happened. Is, is that what happened? You think we ought to read this story as history? An angel touched him spoke to him. Is that historical or is it metaphorical? See so here's what I want to know. Does God still come to our broom trees? Does this still happen? You know, it strikes me, Jesus taught us to pray. The disciples said, teach us to pray, so he did. Seven simple petitions, two of them. Deal with the coming of God's kingdom to earth. And we were taught to pray that God's will might be done on earth as it is in heaven. You ever thought about this? That's to pray for a a mirror reflection. As in heaven on earth. The way it would be there, here. That's what we were taught to pray. For God's will to be done, not debated, uh, not studied to death, not thrown into a committee, but done. The part I like is this on earth. And to me, you know what that means? In the dirt. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, in the dirt, right here, in the soil, in my life, under my broom tree, your will. Hmm. To pray such a, crazy prayer is to totally release one's trust in a providential God who is at work in this contemporary world. That all sounds so idealistic. It it all sounds so naive. You know, really, truthfully, it even sounds simple-minded, like Christians just wishful thinking stuff. If you told that somebody on a flight across the country and they said, so you're a Christian, what do you think? Well, we pray for the kingdom of God to come and for God's will to be done right here in the dirt, on the earth, right here, right now. You believe that? Well, some days it seems so far fetched. But think with me about this the earth is now revolving around the sun at a speed of sixty six. 1,616 miles per hour. Right now. We're moving around the sun and it will take us 365 days to make the loop and when we make it, it'll do it all over again. And then it'll do it all over again. It's been doing it all over again since, since when? At the same speed. (laughs) At 66,616 miles per hour, not 66,617. It's always 66,616, wow. Every year. Here's the kicker, though. While it's doing that, the Earth is rotating on its axis, always eastward, at 1,000 miles per hour. It'll make a full rotation in 24 hours, and then it'll do it again and again and again and again and again. Always 1,000 miles per hour. Always 24 hours to do it, every day. And you don't feel anything. I'm prone to seasickness. I mean, I would think if I was traveling 66,616 miles per hour and spinning at 1,000 miles an hour, I'd throw up. And I don't feel anything. So because I don't feel it, does that make it any less true? Hmm. Hmm. As we spin at a thousand miles an hour, even in this very moment, could we entertain that there is something going on around us that we cannot see? Bigger than politics, bigger than even religion, bigger than education or science or Technology or medicine, bigger than our belief or our lack thereof. Angels in the broom trees. Holy caves where God comes to us, empowers us, and sends us forth into a future we could not imagine a providential God here and now. Let us pray. O oh God of a million galaxies, we dare to believe that you hear us as we pray. We dare to believe that you are at work in this world, in our nation and in the church, as well as in other faiths. We dare to believe that your providence meets us at our broom trees in unexpected ways, and empowers us for a future we cannot see. And so for your unfailing providential care, we bow and give you our thanks and our praise in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen.